LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Group Answers Podcast, a weekly show designed to resource, train, and encourage small group leaders. Each episode considers current trends and resources, as well as timeless truths and methods of discipleship. It's hosted by Brian Daniel and Chris Surratt. Now, enjoy the show. to the next installment or another installment of the Group Answer Show. I am Brian Daniel with Chris Surratt. Hey. Chris, we are winding down the summer. It is upon us. I, for the first time this season, I am wearing a hoodie, uh, which is what I pretty much live in for the fall, most of the winter, and most of the spring. But it just feels good to be in that that mode i kind of like it it's a little dreary today in uh, the nashville area a little bit of rain it just feels like pumpkin spice is in the air and i like it i i think the hoodie is a little forced i'm just gonna come clean it looks natural i mean it's not like it's dissonant looking at you through the the platform that we're recording on but I don't know. I mean, early September, I don't know. Well, what's know. funny is I'm wearing a uh, Southern California Harvest hoodie, which out there they never, ever need a hoodie um, or <laughs> anything long sleeve. So it's kind of, it is kind of uh, redundant. But yeah, no, I, I feel good about myself, Brian. Thanks for asking. Well, it's good. To, <laughs> it's good to see you again anyway. You want to introduce our guest who is not in hoodie country? Yeah, super excited. She is in uh, the land of magic, or is it the uh, happiest place on earth or something like that? We'll let her tell us in a second. But this is Haley Malone. She grew up in South Florida and attended uh, Florida State University. Go FSU, earning a degree in mathematics education. For her, this was a way of intentionally connecting with the next generation. Her time in Tallahassee led to helping plant a church, City Church Tallahassee, where she served as the Guest Connection and Next Steps volunteer and small group leader. On graduation, she started working at the local high school teaching algebra. Man, I hated algebra. I just... Mm. I had to take the college version like three times. It was ugly. Um, college volleyball. I did like volleyball. I did play that in high school and continued to serve at her church. And then uh, she uh, eventually married her husband, uh, Rin. Is that, am I pronouncing that right? Ryan. 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 Ah, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They moved to Orlando <laughs> and continued to uh, continue to coach volleyball and teach math at a Christian school that is closely affiliated with First Orlando, which I've been to several times for the Exponential Conference. Yes. Um, many, many, many times there. Great, great church. Uh, spent five years in the classroom on the volleyball sidelines before stepping into full-time student ministry. Uh, you now have three kids, six, four, and five, and you've been serving as the managing director of adult groups at First Orlando for the mm-hmm. last two years. I think that is the longest bio we've read in the history of group answers. <laughs> well, your ad lib kind of just extended it just a little bit, but that's five I months, Chris. That's six, four, and five months. Mo- oh, so oh, I still missed, did I say a new four? mother. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I said in prep. She's like, still okay. pretty much a newborn. <laughs> I missed that part. Of course. Okay, well, congratulations. Oh. 
Thanks. Thank you. Welcome it's so to good the to show, Haley. Yeah. We don't get, we do not have very many people coming through here that represent big D1 football. So Chris and I both come from basketball schools. Well, Kentucky is where I graduated from. That's a, well, there's just no reason to go there, but Florida State <laughs> University. <laughs> it's, we had a, a, a slow season or two a little bit of a dip after the national championship. And now we're, we're coming back up. We're making a, a good climb. The glory days are hopefully coming back. <laughs> it seems like every, uh, every other year you hear about Florida state, the Seminoles. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's like, it's like my baseball team, the St. Louis Cardinals about every other year we're in the playoff mix and have a chance. And it seems like you guys always about every other year have a yeah. chance. So yeah, congratulations. Neither neither Brian or Word. I can, can brag about our school. So, I mean, yeah. it's still early in the season, so two wins is good. We had a big game against LSU, so that was a big deal. But it was a big win. You guys blew Last out LSU. Was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the first half I was a little nervous. I was like, what is happening right now? And then I actually left the room and the second half started and my husband was like, you can't come back out here. We're doing so good. And I was like... Oh, so we're doing the superstitious thing this season. Okay. I'll be in the bedroom. You can watch on the couch. Go Knowles. <laughs> I love it that you care. I mean, that means so much. I mean, it's just yeah. a, it means so much that you care mm-hmm. and you have that Saturday kind of connection. Oh, All right. So sure. you're, you're managing director of adult groups at first, mm-hmm. at first Orlando, and you've been mm-hmm. doing that for the last two years. And, and we'll get to that part of the program. Yeah. I wanted to ask you just on the, just starting here, because I come to the group's world via the classroom as well. And mm-hmm. so it's just kind of interesting that that was your path and it mm-hmm. came through your involvement in student ministry at the church. And that's been right. your your journey to vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. I just, just it, th- we didn't talk about this, but I want to ask you just how has that, did that background prepare you for your current role? I'm just curious. How would you answer that question? I think my background in teaching prepared me for both my role in student ministry and my role now. Because when you're in the classroom as a teacher, you have to get everyone engaged. It is your job to help people understand the content and get them engaged. So especially math. I mean, every time I tell someone I was a former math teacher, they're all like, oh, why would you teach math? And I'm like, well, I love math. That's why. And I want to help other people love it. And that's the same mentality that translates for small groups and for student ministry. I love Jesus and I want you to love Jesus, but I need you to like me first. And I need you to be engaged with me first. And then the small group part will come later. That is, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, (laughs) And my background uh, it was just the idea of being in community, like all oh, the time. Yeah. The classroom is community. It's like a mini mm-hmm. lab for yeah. this kind of conversation and for the kind of work that you're in. So I was just yeah. curious, but yes, that passion and I think being well, I able feel, to articulate that in context, I think yeah. probably plays into it as well. And it's the same for coaching too. Like I enjoyed coaching because I got to spend so much quality time with this same group of 15 to 20 girls. And yeah, we were playing volleyball, but I could also talk to them about life. You know, what's going on at home? You seem kind of off today. And, you know, they didn't always have to answer me, but at least they knew that I cared about them enough to ask. And then the second or third time they would come forward and say, yeah, actually coach, I want to talk about that. I'm like, oh, okay, let's do it. So Orlando, now mm. we all know it. Most of us love it. I would think I would think a great deal of people when they hear Orlando, they think of vacations and sunshine, oh, yeah. just like with Florida. Um, mm-hmm. 
So as a ministry context, yes, yes, it's the South. Florida's the South. But then again, is it really? (laughs) So talk to us just a little bit about what makes Orlando, Florida unique in terms of a ministry context. Well, it's incredibly unique at this time because of who is moving to Orlando. So, you know, in the 1950s, there was about 51,000 people that lived in Orlando. And today there's 2.5 million people that live in Orlando. And being that it's such a transient city, a lot of people coming in and out, that affects who's coming in the doors on Sundays, who's checking out our website. Um, Most people that move here are moving for the hospitality industry. Uh, We just recently talked to some people about type of place they were looking for for church. And they're like, well, I work every Sunday, so I can't come to church. And you're like, oh, okay. That's another facet to consider when, you know, leading small groups, leading a ministry. We also have um, Orlando in general is one third black, one third Latin American, one third white. So that's adds a whole lot of diversity to who we're seeing come to our church, uh, which is both beautiful, but also the next step is how do we meet them where they're at? Um, we've got a lot of snowbirds that come here just for a season. So that's a different age and stage of life, which impacts small groups. We've had people that actually during COVID tuned into our church services online and then moved to Orlando to come to our church. So you're just getting this really diverse, but really cool group of people in one place at the same time. And honestly, it looks just like heaven to me. Like when we're worshiping together, that diversity, that, that, beauty that we see is really special. Um, but it is challenging because people are moving in for a season. They're living in apartments. They're they're moving to the deep parts of the outskirts of Orlando, but Googling churches in Orlando. And when First Orlando pops up, they're like, oh, I'll go there. <laughs> and because of that, we see such a variety of people on a Sunday morning. I bet. Uh, I'm one of those that have a, has a love-hate relationship with Orlando. And it has nothing to do with the town. It has to do when I go to Orlando, I leave all my money there, um, my savings and my uh, kids' college money. It all just stays in the world it's of expensive. Disney. Yes, it's expensive. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, we always have a blast when we go to Orlando. So, yeah. so yeah, it's a love-hate relationship. But I'm curious, you came from, obviously, the academic world, being a teacher, and then mm-hmm. moving into ministry. And I've been in ministry pretty much my entire adult life. And so mm-hmm. it's always fascinating to me to hear what some of your early conclusions and maybe some of your first action steps were going and you've had involvement in in a church. So it's not like you didn't know maybe some of the inner workings, but what's it been like to kind of transition and what are some of the things you've done since you, you made that transition? So for my strength finders people, I am a developer. That's something that I really like to do is develop things, but I came into this role from student ministry not wanting to be like a fool that had my own ways and implemented my own ways, but I wanted to be wise and seek advice. So I just talked to and met with so many people. And one of the common threads throughout was we just need clarity on language. We need clarity on who's overseeing what, where do we go if we need something. 
And that communication piece kept coming up over and over and over again. And I realized at the foundation of the lack of communication or the confusion in that was a really strong system, a good system that we were running um, where everybody knew where we were going, you know, who's on first, what what are we moving through? Um, that was the first thing that I wanted to implement was a good, strong system, a good way of tracking people, following up with people, taking attendance, um, meeting with group leaders to know what their needs are. And that was initially my, my first thought. But then what I realized is I had to have a top-down mentality. So I had to come in like a coach and I came in and inherited this team of people who I love and I still work with many of them. We've had a few transition to other roles, but I noticed that they, they were looking to me for guidance and to unify them as a team so that they could better do ministry. And when I came in, there wasn't that already established. So I wanted to take that on and say, I'm going to model for you, my team, what I want you to do and model for your group leaders that you coach. Um, And those two things, the systems and the modeling of who I wanted our team to be and what system we were going to run so that we were all running the same direction was essential and pivotal to the first few months of my my role here. <laughs> so just a quick follow-up. One of the one of the things that I as I've as I've been in and out of conversations that I've seen that has been one of the more inventive but also analog things that I've seen people do is this tracking idea. So mm-hmm. Blueprint to Hottie Lewis, Blueprint in Atlanta, that's a much smaller context than what you're mm-hmm. dealing with at First Baptist Church Orlando. And in Dahadi's mm-hmm. office, Pastor Dahadi there, he's got boards of all the communities that are a part of Blueprint. And he's got mm-hmm. names on magnets that can be moved from board to board that he creates. And so he's got a visual tracking for all of his people every mm-hmm. day when he goes into his office. I'm just curious as to how you went about that it's something the size of First Orlando. That seems like a, I, I will say overwhelming, but something that would be difficult to scale the way the way that they do it at Blueprint. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is a daunting task. I wish I could turn my computer around and be like, look, I have everyone's name on a magnet too, but <laughs> I, I just don't. <laughs> and, um, and that's okay. I do know a lot of our people, name and face, but the hard part is we have to get them to identify themselves. Mm. Like they have to be willing to come forward and say like, this is who I am and I'm interested in a group. But the people that are coming in our doors, they don't know who Jesus is. So they don't know that they need a life group or a small group or a Bible study or discipleship. They, they don't know that. And that's hard for us to convey to them. Like, Hey, we want this thing for you. It's so amazing. They're like, why, why do I need a group? I'm, I'm fine on my own. I'll slip in and slip out. Um, I do think, though, that the way we've tracked people well is we've collaborated with other ministries on campus. So our, you know, first time guest experience team, when they receive information and they ask them questions about, are you interested in a group? Those names get funneled to us and we create the follow up process for our uh, child dedication services. One of the questions on the form is, are you currently in a small group? And if they're not, then we get those names so we can follow up with them. And that's one of the things I love about First Orlando is we've tried so hard to go away from those silos and come together in ways to help us all track these people to say like, hey, we haven't seen that family in a while. What's going on with them? Because we all are connected in that way. Um, I do wish it was better though. I wish it, I mean, it's hard when you have 3,700 people in the room on a Sunday to know every single one is really hard. 
That's great. Yeah. And that is a great, that is also a real good segue into uh, just this idea. And, you know, when we talked earlier, you said that you were admittedly passionate about shepherding. Two things that you're really passionate about are shepherding and connecting with leaders. And so Mm -hmm. if we're honest, many of us would say the same thing, but many times we find that connecting in meaningful levels isn't the easiest thing to do. And there would be various reasons for that. Mm -hmm. So what have you found to be successful in this way? What have you put into place that maybe is some redundancies or checks and balances and so that you are feeding this this part of who you are and what, and what you bring to this ministry. Yeah. I think some of the big things we did was we tried to figure out, it seems simple, but it gets confusing in a big church. Who's coaching who? Like who's reporting to who? Who's checking in on who? Who's providing soul care to who? Because our leaders need to know us by name and by face and check in with them regularly, especially if they're an on-campus group. Um, another thing I noticed that it seems it seems so silly and it seems so easy, but I the first couple times I did it, my leaders were like, oh, 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 sure, sure, sure. I would call them on the phone and I would say, you know, hey, Chris, how you doing? It's Haley. It's so good to talk to you. Tell me how your day's going. What, what do you need? Well, I need, I want to talk to you. <laughs> That's what I need. I want to spend some time talking to you. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to ask me to switch rooms or ask me, you know, and I was like, no, no, no. Like, tell me about you. Tell me what's going on with you. You know, how's your life, your wife, your family. And then I would always close the conversations with, let me pray for you. How can I pray for you? And they'd be like, oh, right now? Like on the phone? Like, yes, right now. I'm going to pray for you right now. And that just meant so much to them that I would take just a couple seconds to pray for them and to thank them for the ministry that they're doing and to remind them that they're doing a huge thing for the kingdom and the glory of God. And they just knew it, but they might need to hear it every now and then. And and that, I mean, that was big. That was big for my leaders. And then because I created that intentional environment and the rest of my team was creating that intentional environment, the ask for them to come to a group leader training or the ask for them to jump on a Zoom call for some information was so much easier because they were like, oh yeah, I want to be there. I, I can't wait to hear what we're doing. I can't wait to see where we're going. And I'm like, okay. So and it's taken some time to get there. I mean, I'm only two years in and we still have some leaders that you know, we're trying to connect with and, and help support, but the steps have been big in the right direction. It's funny because uh, every time um, I call Brian, he does the same thing. He just answers with, what do you need? And I'm like, Brian, <laughs> I don't always just need something from you. I just want to connect and talk. And, you know, it's just the same relationship. So I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. So so you it, use, it, that, that would be true if Chris actually called. If he actually <laughs> called a friend true. up and said. I was going to say, it's, it says that he really trusts you to provide for him, Brian. That's what I heard was that Brian can provide for Chris's needs. Yeah, <laughs> Brian and go. I most, mostly connect through uh, his uh, his far out there jokes in, in a text thread that we're both in. So that's that's mainly how <laughs> funny, or not funny. funny or not yeah, funny. Yeah, my funny or not funny text, Which, yeah, because I'm insecure about what I laugh at. It's probably right? about 50-50 on that. So I, I'm curious, you use terms like big room, small room, and kind of a handoff yeah. there. Talk about that, and, and why is that important? Yeah. You know, I mentioned it earlier, the, the room, you've been in it for Exponential. It's a big room, and, you know, the capacity of people that can come in and sneak in and, and sit for a service and then slip out is very high. There are tons of people that come in every single weekend. And unfortunately, we don't know who they are. So we've created with our communications team who, you know, writes our vision moment and 
gives the verbiage to that. They've got text prompts to get people to identify that way. But we've also centralized as much as we can the next step so that it's not like, well, you can go here and you can go there. And we've got this like smorgasbord of options. And in a big church, it's easy to do that because, well, I want to I want a group for people that like fishing. Well, I want a group for people that like basket weaving. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I could find 10 other people that want to do that with you. But because we centralize the ask to just take their next step through our connect experience that tells them about First Orlando and baptism and salvation, that's week one. Week two is about groups. So our team comes in and sits in and meets them and facilitates and gives them a group experience. And then the third week is about serving. They get a nice swath of what church is like at First Orlando, and then they're able to take their next step. And we're able to already have our our faces there to say, hey, we're here to help you. Um, so that I think has been great. We've given them that pathway, but we've also given two other pathways by offering something that's relatively new to our team. We have a group's help desk and it's one location in one of our welcome centers and all of the guest experience team members know where we are. So if someone comes in asking questions about groups, they can take them straight to us and we can tell them all about groups. We can help them pick the group that works for them. We can help them log on the website and see all the open groups and join a group that day if they want to. Um, And I think that has helped because they get that concierge service to see someone eye to eye and not just scrolling on a screen, but they're also getting to identify that they want a group. So then I can follow up with them and say, Hey, did you try out Bob's group? Did you try out, you know, Beverly's group? And then they're like, Hey, you remembered me. I'm like, yeah, I remembered you. (laughs) Like I want you to help, help you find a group. What a great visual, uh, to understand just the different kind of layers of a of it, of, it, of any given church context, particularly like mm-hmm. FBC Orlando, as I think yeah. in those terms. So heads up, contextualized uh, discipleship question coming. It's a favorite okay. topic on the show. <laughs> so you guys have so FBC Orlando has five campuses that, and then you know when when you and I were communicating ahead of the show, you said that they each operate within their. Uh, within their unique context. Mm-hmm. So now you talked about this earlier in our conversation about just the different uh, demographics that you guys are seeing right. influx. And I think you said, I don't know if you said it earlier, but I saw it in your notes, a thousand people moving to Orlando like every day or something like that. Every so, week, yeah. Th- yeah, this every week, that makes more sense. So within the same city and the same church, this context, yeah. talk a little bit about the challenges associated with this approach but also the motivation for such a conviction, because you're, mm-hmm. it's, we all heard the term one church, five locations. This feels like one church, five context. And so you've got mission, yes. vision, and values that have to say the, stay the same, but mm-hmm. the way those are expressed and articulated and messaged yeah. and couched within a community probably have some nuance. So how is it oh, that you guys manage these things? For sure. So, um, I'll be very honest with you. We are still figuring this out. I mean, we have a group of of people that meets on the regular and we are still figuring it out. We actually have kind of taken the groups where, and this is probably interesting to be honest, and it might be something that churches listening in right now are like, we don't do that. I wonder if we should. We've kind of taken the groups world and the discipleship world and put them in two different buckets. Mm -hmm. And the discipleship component is overseen by the same person who's our multi-site pastor. And so he is giving guidance to discipleship and he's giving guidance to these campus pastors to help help keep that consistent amongst all the areas. Um, 
it's even complex because we have three campuses on this campus. We have our Brazilian and Spanish and then our John Young campus. So there's that piece to it that that adds a level of complexity. But one thing that I think that we've gotten right so far is that I'm the central person for all of the group's directors. So anyone who is the group's point person for their campus can come to me for a resource or for an outline or a supporting document to help make what they're trying to do possible because their staff is limited because of the context that they're in or the location that they're in, or they're just starting out their church. Um, So I think that has helped try to get everybody on the same page is that the resources are coming from central and then tweaked to the context that they're in to meet the needs of the people because they know who's walking in their doors. They know that the Horizon West campus is a lot of young families and a lot of young professionals. So what they want to provide for them has to be unique to the people coming through their doors, which is looks very different than who's coming through the John Young campus doors, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that is interesting. And that... That leads to kind of this next question. Uh, You know, we get a lot of people in, they're not ready for groups or they don't understand what a group is. And a group can be, you know, depending on your context, it can be very different um, and what your background Mm -hmm. is. And, you know, maybe you came from a Sunday school background or more of a whatever or no background. So I think Mm -hmm. you guys have a transitional step for people. Is that right? That's called belong. Um, yes. I'd love to hear how that works and what was the impetus behind kind of starting that? Cause that's a fascinating idea for getting people into groups. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited about this. It's been, um, something we kind of had sensed, you know, when you're talking with your team and you're like, what are you sensing? What do you think God's doing? Where are you, where do you think he's moving us? And we're all kind of saying the same thing. We're thinking, how do we capture this and turn it into something that's going to work for our people? So what we've identified is that at the core of who we are, at the beginning of the book of Genesis is this idea of belonging and everybody at our core wants to belong. However, in the past, what we were doing is we were saying, Oh, you want to belong? Well, you need to get in a small group. And they're like, I don't know what a group is. Like, what do they do there? Am I going to have to share deep, dark secrets? Is there some kind of like board with a little thing where I slide it around? And you're like, no, 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 that's (laughs) not a small group, but we do want you to, to understand that that is the next right step for your life. You know, Jesus did a lot of big things in front of big audiences, but then he had his 12. And then even within that, he had his core. So I think that's what we want to model is we say, come to these events where you can meet people like our connect experience for our first time guests. They spend three weeks together. They, they realize I do belong here at first Orlando. At least we hope that's what they feel. And so they, I do belong at first Orlando. And then we say, okay, if you're new to this group's world and you've never been in a group, your next step is to go to belong. And it's a medium sized gathering with table leaders and our team facilitating. And we're just talking through biblical principles, some tools about how to pray, how to read the Bible. And no matter where you are in your journey, whether you've been burned by the church and this is your first time coming back and you're finally thinking, okay, I'm going to give it another try. There's something for that person. There's also something for the seasoned couple that we have a couple that just moved here recently and they are very much part of the church community and they've been walking with the Lord for a long time. And then they're like, but I want to be a part of what you're doing here and belong. And I want to facilitate a table experience. So this belong is an opportunity for us to create connection. And the hope of it is that these people get to know each other and realize, oh, 
I, I have a good vibe with these, you know, eight or so other people. We're going to turn this into a group. So then they would just launch into a small group at that hour in a classroom on campus because they've already carved it out into their life. They've already bought into the, I can be on campus for two services on a Sunday. So it, it really is that funnel that kind of helps them see what we see in small groups. And then they can experience it in a safe environment that's not too intimidating. And then hopefully take their next step into leading at Belong or into being in a small group with other people from Belong. Love it. All right. I'm sorry. So you had Group Connect that's mm-hmm. three weeks and then mm-hmm. that becomes Belong. You tra- They transition to Belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how long is, and I'm sorry, how long is Belong the Belong aspect of the process? It, they can come in any time in the process, oh, but okay. it is 12 weeks. So Got if it. they come in any point in the 12 weeks, that's great. And the other part that's really um, kind of exciting is we do get people that, like I said, that couple that's been a part of church that might say, well, I want a group at 10 o'clock that's married couples. And I'm like, great, I have that. Come with me and I can introduce you to some other people from that group. So it's exciting to see like we've got both of these channels working side by side that are not competing with each other, but it's helping us get everyone their next step. And it's not, we're not losing anyone through the cracks, which is great. (laughs) So Haley, regarding um, more gender specific discipleship, I'm just curious, like how do you approach men's men's ministry and women's ministry? And how do these groups fit within the broader groups ministry? of uh, First right. Baptist Church Orlando. Yeah. So we have um, men's and women's ministry. They're on our team. So, you know, both Stacy and Daryl report to me and they're a part of all the decisions we make. And if we do a group's initiative, they serve at whatever that is. If it's a group launch, if it's a group's hangout in the center lobby, they're a part of that too. But what we realized is there's they're still in that same funnel, meaning that first thing that we invite men or women to is a large gathering that feels safe for the person that has never experienced church before or women's ministry or men's ministry. They feel comfortable coming in at that top tier of just a large gathering for the women. It's called the Haven. It happens three times a year because we've operated on a trimester system. Um, Same thing with the men. They have a few large gatherings a year. And then the ask from the large gathering where they identify that they belong is to step into a Bible study or to step into a smaller men's gathering, a small group gathering. And then the third tier is to have their discipleship group. So we're actually in the process of launching, which I'm so excited about and very proud of the women on the team that have worked on it. We're launching a mentor program for women and it's in its early phases, but that is where that core discipleship is going to happen. And that is where we are going to see a lot of great life change. And I'm so excited about it. I'm so proud of it because being a multi-generational church, a legacy church, we've got incredible wisdom that comes here every Sunday and they want something to do like mentor. So we've now figured out a way to collect them and partner them with some of our young adults who all they want is to be mentored and to find a woman to ask questions to. And Daryl's doing the same thing in men's ministry where he's finding guys to pour into that next generation, or he's even challenging them to find three or four guys that you work with, that you want to disciple, that you want to pour into and have them meet you at a Starbucks at 6 a.m. before you head into work and spend that quality time together. So it's that we call it belong, believe, become. So you belong at the big event and we help you identify that you belong. And then you join a small group where you can 
really believe what God has for you. And then the become is helping launch you into your next steps for a kingdom impact. So belong, believe, become. Chris, is that similar? That sounds similar to what you guys do at Harvest. It is. Close to it. Yeah. 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 Different. Every church has some type of three or four part, you know, kind of funnel system. But yeah, that's very close to what, the, what we do for sure. Yeah. So you're saying we're doing a pretty good job two years in. Yeah, I would say you're doing a great job two years in. Yeah. yeah turning a Titanic. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what I, I've been doing for two. I'm two years in um, with Harvest and kind of the same sort of, you know, legacy church, very large church. Um, and we're changing mm-hmm. the way that we're doing some of our discipleship and group options. And it just takes time. It, uh, it really does. Yeah. And so I think you're, you're ahead of me probably uh, two years in. So oh. well, that wasn't hard to do, but I've learned job. you got to be so flexible. I mean, I have noticed that we'll be thinking one thing's going to work and I'm like, okay, this is changing. Yep. The people coming to the help desk need something different. Or if we want to reach these young families that are checking in their kids, I think we had 41 new families check in mm. on Sunday. That means they had never checked into the kids ministry before. So that was another way of identifying who they were. I was amazed at the fact that their communication was more about, is my kid safe? Are they going to, how do we know that they're going to get checked in, checked out? You know, what's, what do they do in there? And I said, oh, so safety is a big thing for these people. We need to provide a space that they feel safe. That means we need to have options on campus because campus feels safe to them rather than someone's home who they don't know. They don't know where they live. Orlando is huge. So, you know, you could say you live in Kissimmee and someone's like, I live in Lake Mary. Those are very different places. So the campus environment was a safe one. I'm like, okay, so we're pivoting back to some on-campus groups for people so they can feel safe and they can know that this is a place that's safe for them on a Monday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday. So definitely observation. <laughs> well, that's Haley Malone, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all give it up. If we had a applause button, we would push it right here. She I, is feel the it. Man- I feel it. <laughs> she is the managing director again of adult groups at First First Baptist Church Orlando, Florida. Thank you for being with us, Haley. Is oh, wonderful. Thank wonderful you guys so much. Make this acquaintance. And that's gonna yes. wrap it up for this edition of the Group Answers Show. We thank you for being with us. Thanks again to Haley and as always to Chris Surratt, our co-host and producer. We look forward to seeing you on down the road. <laughs>